Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. You sit like a person right. and do this? I don't need to talk it into no the video. You can tell you're laying down. <laughs> There's no way Word that anybody <laughs> could tell I'm laying down until you just said it. Okay. Restart. All right. Restart. Well, you do do the start now, Mr. Sitting Up Straight. Cut sex. And we're back with our most frequent flyer on the Real Trothlon podcast, Jackson Laundry. <laughs> Cody Beals. It's the fourth time, eh, guys? Hey, guys. Yeah. Fourth time. Oh, yeah. And it's almost Canada Day. So we have to say A as many times as we can. Is it a drinking game? If you are, <laughs> can be if you have a drink. If you're at home and listening and it's that time and you're of age, you may partake in some sort of drinking game. Doesn't have to be alcoholic. I, said, I didn't say that. Okay. Yeah. So any anytime somebody says A, you got to drink starting. You're setting Jack up to plug his now. new sponsor, I think. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just enjoying a nice athletic brewing <laughs> casually here. This is me, not sponsored by them. Tastes decent. Not going to buy any. But fair if it's enough. free, it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fair. All right, so we're here with Cody. We all did the race. Obviously, what race? Ironman 70.3, Montremblant, which was the only race of that Hold weekend. On. You, you, need to, you need to translate that from French for the Americans. Mont Tremblant. Mount Tremblant. <laughs> Mant. And uh, we finished third, fourth, and fifth. So... That was just great. Um, you know what? Let's start with Cody Beals, who's our guest. How was your you know, general trip? Did you like driving with Montana and I up to the race? Was it terrible? Um, did I get too many crumbs in your car? Was it gassy? <laughs> yeah, Jack and I drove up together. Uh, he actually, surprisingly, didn't leave a lot of granola bar wrappers in my car this time. So my little brother's growing up here. It's nice to see. And uh I really wanted to kick his butt though by the end of the drive. And how did that play out, Jack? Well, didn't play out in the, in your favor for once. But uh, yeah, we had a good battle, all three of us really. I mean, we were together within about ten seconds on the swim and the bike. We stayed together the whole time. Um, you know, other than maybe a very short period of time where I tried to go with Lionel and got about ten second lead. Cody for- tried to go too. I saw that tell us about that move yeah we all we all tried to go with lionel but uh <laughs> going with lionel isn't isn't a, a smart strategy that should be a hashtag like days. tried to go with lionel it's just a guy like on the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> jack tried really hard to go with lionel and then looks like i thought he quit the race at the aid station at the top of the hill <laughs> he just, he just... Went, went from about 500 watts to 50 watts <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, came, was... I came past and i was like come on jack the race isn't over <laughs> something really cheesy i even said in the video where i'm editing i was like it looks pretty deflated at once you get a lot off the power head went down i probably tried a little too hard to be honest like i was real getting hot just from a vo2 max effort and uh i was like all right i need to get some fluids here and just forget about that so we recovered we skipped so I, after lionel broke away the bike remained in a, a pack of about eight of us and how do we feel about that, guys? How do we feel about pack riding in general? Um, I think, I think uh, when the race organization fails to provide a referee who is going to be honest and things aren't called yet, there is a moto next to us. Uh, it sets a precedent, and after about thirty minutes, that precedent kind of changes to a smaller gap. 
and then a smaller gap. So roughly speaking, it was rubbish in terms of a couple of people, actually one in particular doing some slot again. Yeah. So we, we had a moto with us. Everyone assumed it was an official. It turned out to be a race official, but not a referee. And I think, uh, one, one guy in particular figured that out and, uh, started to be more and more egregious in what he was trying to get away with slotting in drafting, creeping well up into that 12 meter zone, which is frustrating to see. And I mean, you kind of just want to throw it in right there when you see BS like that. But uh, I think it's an exercise and focusing on what you can control and that's totally outside of your control. So you can't really let it get inside your head. I was pretty ticked off though. Yeah. Jack, you threw up your arms in exasperation at one point. Yeah, I was pretty frustrated. And of course, you know, uh, just like Cody said, you got to just try to forget it. And even though somebody's taken some liberties that they shouldn't, you can still potentially beat them. Uh, so that was kind of what I tried to, to focus on. But I think the main issue for me is like, there needs to be a referee, one for the men's race, one for the women's race on the pro side on a moto minimum, minimum. So they, on a motorcycle, they can easily police two or three or four packs, at least for a significant chunk of the race. And in this race, there was really only one pack. So we should have had a referee with us almost the whole time. Uh, I know that, you know, Ironman did kind of reduce the funding for this race a little bit, probably based on entries or I don't know what. And probably there were less referees than there's ever been. So nobody saw this coming. Um, but yeah, maybe there were referees and they were on schedule and then they got sick the night before. Maybe, well, maybe that happened. I mean, I to be clear, I, it's still like a premier event on the circuit in terms of the production value, but I think the entire uh, industry is struggling a bit. And this is just an example of how one little decision about the organization of the race can really affect how it plays out. But I also think pros need to take some ownership. Like I really hate the mentality some athletes seem to have of basically seeing whatever the heck they can get away with when the official isn't paying attention. And I mean, you see it at the swim start when guys are creeping forward before the gun goes, I see guys cutting pylons. I mean, it's such a long race officials aren't ever present. You really have to self-police and self-regulate. And I don't know how people that cheat like that can maintain self-respect. It's kind of equivalent to doping in my opinion. Well said. I think that we all share that vision um, that one day maybe we could have a little bit more transparency or there's maybe, there's a couple opportunities for the sport to grow. Obviously we've seen the race ranger technology where there's Wi-Fi you know, or wideband um, Wi-Fi up to like 400 users within or 40 users within a small radius. That, let's, let's describe what that is. People who don't know. My, yeah. my understanding is it's a device that um, can basically keep track of drafting violations, not necessarily leave it to a machine to make mm -hmm. the call, but it can cue officials into athletes who are repeatedly, uh, you know, drifting to that 12 meter zone or failing to make a pass in time. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. I, so the gentleman who is uh, developing, it's a couple of Kiwis. Um, he brought St. George and this is prototype, I think, couple iterations in. Um, it's still a little bit bulky. I think that people would complain about that in your front fork. So you've got a transponder on the front forks, transponder on the saddle, and that can accurately catch the 12 meters, 10 meters, and whatever you set it to. And there's three protocols, three lights as you approach a rider from the rear. Um, and like Cody said, it doesn't use a machine to tell you if you have a penalty. The referee can ride next to the group and look at each number who's to the right right of him or her and see how much negative time they've had in the draft zone over cumulatively so they can pay attention to that rider so the referee still has to call the penalty but there's actual empirical evidence used rather than oh i think they're 
yep, close enough penalty. It'll make them do a lot more calls because what, what we're talking about was part of it. The issue is with a five minute penalty, referees are very hesitant to make calls sometimes because they need to be certain that that's the correct call and they're worried that they're going to be making a wrong call. Well, if you have evidence that somebody's been a repeat offender of the draft zone, then you're not going to be nearly as hesitant to make that call. So I think that touches on another issue of just, um, you know, drafting rule reform, which I think is overdue. I had a great chat with Ernie Mantell, who had some fantastic takes after the race, another pro athlete who wasn't racing there, but just followed the race and kind of clued into what happened. And um, I mean, I agreed with him. He was saying we should move to a more ITU based model where the penalties are more minimal and officials can just hand them out like candy. Because right now you have a situation where officials are really reluctant to dish out a five-minute penalty because they know it's effectively going to end someone's day. So yeah. I'd like to see even a stop and go or perhaps a one-minute or 30-second penalty for the first drafting offense. So you know, an official can hand that out as soon as it looks like someone's 10 meters instead of 12. Easy. And maybe the second offense is two minutes, and then you're getting into a day-ending kind of penalty, like a five-minute penalty or a DQ. Yeah. What do you guys I've, think of that? I've, I've thought that so many times while that race was happening on Sunday, like totally went through my head while you're out there trying to focus on something else. And I've also like Nordic skiing where you got penalty laps. How fun would that be? Love it. Like <laughs> you got actual other drama going on. You can put on camera. Like, Oh, we got four guys out there doing looks like get the athlete reaction. Yeah. He's got six <laughs> laps. He's got five laps. This guy's only got one lap. I mean, I think that if there's another versatility within the sport, we can make the penalties. And how, how do we feel about 20 meter draft zones? Jack, you've had some I, thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think they're pretty much uh, very easy to implement for pros only. Um, not practical for age groups. Not practical for age group density. Most courses, but for like this race, for example, what there were essentially there were maximum twenty male pros. Really, um, I think that actually finished. There's no reason you you need to be any closer than twenty meters, um, and that mm -hmm. would change the race completely. So. And I think also with 20 meters, maybe inevitably pros drift up into 15, uh, 18 or maybe even 15 meters if they're really pushing it. But the physics suggests that the, the draft benefit really drops off strongly, like quite exponentially after 12 or 15 meters. Yeah. And on the flip side, increases a lot as you get within 12 meters. And it's really evident if you just go out on a training ride and play around with those distances, you really start to feel something at 10 or 8 meters. Yeah. And there's really not a lot of functional difference between 15 and 20 meters. Yeah. Yeah, and as it had and as it will continue, likely it'll change the finish, uh, change the podium, it'll change the race dynamics. And um, ultimately, I guess we're, you know, if you're listening at home and you're an age group athlete, um, you know, imagine somebody at work just like sneaking in and stealing 10, 20 bucks from you here and there over the course of a year. You'd be pretty pissed about that. And or a thousand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or sometimes even more. I, I will say Tromblon is not the first podium I've lost out on to, uh, a pretty clear drafting violation. Yeah, five minutes would have been that exact. And podium. unfortunately, the the difference in prize money and bonuses from third to fourth is pretty significant. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't total it up for the heartbreak, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fourth to third is always the biggest drop situation. And uh, well, right, let's talk about exactly how that went down. I guess moving on from the drafting yeah. situation. Under so the yeah. so the bike was a bike. We get off together, group of about eight of us. And what happened in transition, Jack? Well, okay, I so. <laughs> <clears throat> upon later reflection and realization i watched lionel's re race recap video watched him rack his bike in the video which tawa got and his saddle was like just the nose of it was on the rack so that's a little bit less blame preemptively but anyways i slammed my bike into the rack to like rack it and i just kind of 
you know, duffed it a little bit and hit the rack pretty hard with my front tire. And Lionel's bike fell over. Brand new bike. And uh, literally brand new first race he's ever done on it. And then his bike fell over into Brent's area. And so Brent then gets to his bike in rack spot and he was right behind me. And he's like, oh, come on, Jack. <laughs> it's like, I was like freaking dude. We had a little argument there in the transition zone. My, my, my perspective. So eight of us are careening into transition within about 10 seconds of each other. Yeah. Jack just throws his bike at the rack, <laughs> conducting a scorched earth campaign in T2. The transition area is just a complete battlefield. Brent's yelling at Jack. I'm just trying to put on my shoes, hopping around on one foot. Just a complete cluster f of a situation <laughs> anyway. and i and i did just mention in the other podcast that we should allow checking in trend to t1 and t2 yeah i, I actually got a penalty at itu worlds in 2015 for only racking my bike by one brake lever they want you to rack it by two yeah safety is not by the saddle so i overall I, I wouldn't be opposed to some more itu style penalties just to increase the professionalism of the sport a little bit well yeah and also some races we have bins and everything has to be in the bin some races there is a bin and they're like yeah make it in the bin if you can and then there's no bins so we're we're just dealing with a little bit of stuff here that's kind of non-traditional so then out on the run lionel was about- cody was first out of transition about no, Lionel, Lionel was 230 up ahead of us. Right. Of well, the group, I was first out. Jack quickly runs up into my shoulder and then takes the lead. Took about and a K. Just set like a, an absurd pace. I thought it was <laughs> like an Olympic distance race. <laughs> but I mean, I train with Jack a lot. We usually run, fair to say, we usually run together very, very similarly. In training. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I figured it was a bluff. And this is like poker at the pro level. Yeah. So I decided to call his bluff and hang with him, but the core temperature was getting critical <laughs> and there was no ice out there yet. I think Jack, you like dipped and scooped up some ice out of one of the bins. Yeah. There was a bin full of ice. They were just pointing to like, yeah, they went the path. They like, went over you. there. And I was like, I took a step to the side and grabbed a big chunk because I knew it'd be worth it. Nick, and... did you, did you think about going with? Um, no, you guys go out at like, five minute pace these days and i know that like per if, mile yeah per mile and on a good day my pace is around 5 30 so i was like well if i do that for a couple of seconds i might just be dead <laughs> you know that that's a smart exercise in in like staying within yourself like um jack i know you at oceanside let alistair go at one point let him go up ahead that showed a lot of discipline if i could have a do-over one we'd attack harder on the bike and hopefully drop some riffraff yeah but two in Tromblon, I think I maybe would have paced to run a little more steadily because I certainly paid for that uh, that bluff, that bluff call in at the beginning. Well, Jackson did too. He he had a bit of a fade, and then it kind of came down to the last kilometer for you too. Well, I, I got a gap on him, and what was that six k? You started pulling away or so? Yep. And I thought he'd be in the rearview mirror. Uh, I didn't do any shoulder checks because I was told that's always a sign of weakness. So well, you did one shoulder check. <laughs> I finally did a shoulder. You told us about it. <laughs> I'll let Jack describe that. I finally did a shoulder check at twenty k. Uh, Jackson's right there. And I, in your ear. I said, uh, I'm, I'm, apologies to the nice French Canadian kids who heard what I said there pretty loudly. <laughs> what the Jackson, what did you see from your perspective? <laughs> well, okay. So Cody drops me at 6K, proceeds to put about 30 seconds into me for the next 5K. So I was hitting my rough patch hard. And then, you know, I was feeling okay. And then he, I started reeling him back in a little bit at 12K. And then I just sort of was like, all right, chip away, chip away. Made up a few seconds per K. And then, it was down to like 10 seconds with a couple K to go. And then I started reeling them back and then we go over the last hill. So I think it was about even less than a K to go. I think it was like, you know, 800 meters to go. And Cody hasn't looked back. 
And I was like, he must know I'm here. He must ask somebody or something. But he just does this like big epic shoulder check. He's like running almost backwards looking at me. <laughs> He's like, and he put he, the look on his face was like, oh shit. Literal nightmare fuel. And uh, Jackson with his Oceanside winning closing kick right there. I was the last 800 meters. Three seconds behind him, two at that point. That damn headband. And then you're getting into town and everyone's cheering and it's like, you know, you got the adrenaline. So I get to the bottom of the last hill. I thought he might attack that uphill pretty hard because he's a good uphill runner, but I was able to stay with him, get right on his shoulder. And okay, then, uh, okay, okay. We got it. We got the picture. We, we Put in a big old surge and the way she goes. You know, so, I, if I'm going to miss on the podium to anyone. It's not guess... like you were going slow. Like if you look at the last split, we were, you know, I was like 253, you were 305. And all the other fast guys were like 320, 330. For so, the kilometer? Yeah, yeah, you guys were running. Oh, I don't feel it. so bad. Yeah, you were running fast. It's just, you know, I ran faster. Not to mention, <laughs> you let you you let them borrow your wheel. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a rule of thumb that before any race, at some point, Jackson will come to my house <laughs> needing some essential piece of equipment that he just doesn't <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not always equipment. It's often just um knowledge and and the expertise a, a bike tool something and i thought i was going to clear this race but no sure enough <laughs> like clockwork the night literally the hour before we're supposed to leave he's late to get to my house and he messages me do you have a wheel a race wheel <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i show up i think maybe 30 minutes after you left just driving into town and mike's like well we blew up jackson's front wheel again <laughs> oh god damn it yeah so cody lent me his his wheel like a true gem little did we know you know, if he hadn't done that, the race. Well, I mean, I, I lent him my head Vanquish RC6, which we can safely assume was, I mean, I only lost him by 10 seconds. That had to have given him at least a 10 second advantage. <laughs> so, I mean, by age group or math, I, I should have been, I should have beaten him. Well, yeah, that's simple. Jack, you own 10%. Well, of your... I'll return the favor anytime, but Cody's so damn organized. He never needs any favor for God's sakes. I, you ran in my freaking garage all winter. So yeah, you on that woodway there bud how much training time was that worth That's, uh... we have a good supportive little training group here yeah and cody's the main uh you know he's he... the he's the dad of the group yeah the navigator only when nick's not in town and well, nick you you had a really solid race that's your best 70.3 and is that ever would you say or last couple of years for sure no well ecuador was really good i've had oh, true yeah i've had like a plethora of you know mediocre results and this is just another notch in that belt uh, higher on the scale, of course, obviously being able to ride and, you know, run anytime I can run to the line and feel like I gave everything. That's a win for me and was able to hold off our, our lovely previous guest, old man, Brent, um, and, uh, don't call him old man. Brent. He's dubbed himself that Cody. Okay. And, uh, Taylor who actually beat Brent respected Taylor's... statesman Brent. Yeah. I mean, Brent McMahon is, is one of the long lasting gentleman of the sport course he we can call him old man brent okay <laughs> it's a sign of respect uh, um, um yeah taylor so that guy ortiz. Um, ortiz who went out like running with me yeah he just paced it better and when did you pass him passed him a few k in and then just knew that if i wasn't careful um you know those two behind me could have snuck up but yeah i was super pumped most importantly um everyone had pretty decent days you know even lionel broke a tooth got a flat and won so i was pumped on that <laughs> Well, we weren't so pumped. It's just too bad he can't come back for the, the rematch at the full. In He's not. Well, it's the same day as the Collins Cup. Okay. So, so Cody's doing um, Lake Placid soon. And then is that still a go? That's a go. And okay. then uh, return to Tremblant. 
can we call it a three-peat it's been two years without with the race being canceled yeah so of course not to by any of your fault of, that you uh, haven't raced yep so that's that's the uh that's the, the a race of the season hashtag more than kona yeah i mean road to kona um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so follow cody he's always freaking an honorary rts team friend we'll call him cody and you and by definition i thought about this today at one point i don't remember where we were but if there's anything to be like different in the sport whether it's like training philosophy or nutrition like you just do it in such a unique way that always makes me wonder why the hell i'm doing anything at all because it's like well i thought about it oh half percent and he's at a hundred percent but like you just you always go out of your way to make things very unique to you and that's why i think also you have such a cult following that you stand for a lot i'll, I'll take that interesting backhand compliment backhand it wasn't backhand at all <laughs> i envy it well I mean, you guys, uh, by inviting me to do this podcast, I got my training done before 8 p.m. for the first time in a little while. So. This is exactly my point. Like, you're just headbanging <laughs> at about 9 p.m. usually on six-hour training rides, and you're like, well, training week's coming up. Better do another four-hour ride two days out. And you know, I, I think really well. coming out of the pandemic, I almost quit the sport last year, and this year I'm doing whatever's fun. And that doesn't mean screwing around. I'm training really hard. I'm training better than ever right now. Yeah. But I'm choosing races and I'm doing training sessions that by and large are fun. And that's what's keeping me going. Yeah. And Eagle Man too. Was it your goal to set that record? Yeah. I mean, there was, I, I should have had bigger fish to fry that weekend. It was the same weekend as the uh, North American Ironman Championships. Ironman. So the, the uh, practical thing to do would have been to go there. But I've raced Eagle Man pretty much every year of my pro career. It's the fourth time I've won the race. So I decided to go back there. I've got an amazing homestay, great community there. So how'd it was you feel, more fun. Um, how'd you feel about your PTO points on that one? You know, it's, it's fair. Of course, record broken. Everyone, every pro acts like they deserve a hundred points every time they win a race and break a course record in that case. That's a big deal. I, I disagree. I think they gave me, you know, 80 low eighties points for that. It seems reasonable. It wasn't a stacked start list. Tromblon, Jack and I earned what? 83 ish points. 82, yeah. That's absolutely reasonable. You know, I think the, uh, the races that are paying out a hundred points should be pretty few and far between. Yeah, I agree. I just thought that your win and course record should be at least another at least 90 uh it's of course record so condition dependent it's kind of a red herring i think well then why are we like giving blumenfeld all this awesomeness when he sets a world record at cozumel what's up with that we yeah <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree we shouldn't i think i think like i said points uh should be 100 if that if 100 is a theoretical maximum how are people earning 110 plus points on a regular basis but uh, that's a topic for a whole other discussion. And I mean, you can debate the structure of the points, but by and large, it's arriving at the right result. So uh, for you, in terms of top 20 by the end of the year, that's the goal. I put it on my story it. today, top 20 or bust. I've moved into 40th now. I'm clawing my way back up. I think my all-time highest was around 18th a couple of years ago. So yeah, you'll get it, dude. I mean, you've got two great races, one that you know so well. Um, your Ironman prowess is just, you know, I haven't seen it really go super far off. It's always just like a percentage between what you want and what you get. Yeah, I'm feeling good about the ones coming up. Cody's an Ironman beast. Watch out at Lake Placid and Mont Tremblant for Cody to, you know, be right up there getting some wins. Road to Kona. And Jack, you're off on a training camp with Matt Hansen gearing up for PTO Edmonton this week, right? Yeah, I leave on Monday. Well, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be gone. Training with the Hansenator. And uh, have you ever trained with a more physiologically intimidating athlete than Matt Hansen? Um, well, no, he's a freak. Um, 
just like his easy or his base work is insanely fast to where it's like it's so fast that it would be hard for me to even achieve it like in a workout certified freak it's seven crazy. days a week um <laughs> yeah certified freak seven days a week that's my man and but he does it so nonchalantly and like he's just he's a unique guy he's a really great guy good friend of mine and you know when i go train with him it's like one workout every couple days i'll try to do just like half the main set with him and that's like pretty good for me if i can if i can do it so it is at altitude so it takes me a bit to adjust but he's insane um and wouldn't be shocked if he shocks everyone at you know at the canadian champs and and gets a podium or a win so yeah i think he's proven himself time and time again to be like just one of the most intelligent well-spoken and humble guys out there in the sport aside from uh cody beals <laughs> yeah, no one should act surprised when matt hansen has another breakthrough like he did at daytona i mean he's won the north american championships four times now yeah and people always kind of uh underestimate him i think i'm still calling him for a kona podium definitely at some point yeah in his career he's he just goes for it he races to win every single time he's just so humble and like he's almost the opposite of sam long in the sense <laughs> of like he just kind of sits you know sits back does his thing is not too loud not too like look at me look at me and that's why people kind of overlook him, I think. And, uh, you know, not that he's, over, not that he doesn't have respect within the sport, but he's as, as talented as anyone out there, but yeah. Anywho, we should probably wrap this one up. Everybody. Thanks for listening. Check out our, our Montrump Montremblant um, YouTube recap. Say it again, American. Mont Tremblant. Mont Tremblant. Roll the R. Mont Tremblant. Mont no, I'm Tremblant. not doing it. Give me some <laughs> cotton balls. I'll put them on my cheeks. All right. Thanks, boys. We'll keep practicing next French here. Check our YouTube channel. You'll see <laughs> Cody's recap actually in person. If you watch the video, you can see the passing happen. Um, <laughs> if you've been wanting to see that. Uh, anyways, thanks for watching, listening, and peace out, I guess. Peace. Flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through